electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Scott Wapner with Jim Cramer at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl and David have the morning off. Let's go right to the futures and take a look at how stocks will open today, continuing their post-Fed slide not so bad. Dow is open, uh, would open down by about 90. There's the S&P Nasdaq following suit as well. Our roadmap starts with what else? The Fed about to shift gears, inching closer to tapering, and investors are preparing for volatility ahead. Plus, Mr. Chairman, Microsoft backing CEO Satya Nadella for the first time in two decades. The tech giant's chief executive will also serve as board chair. And America in recovery. Lockheed Martin CEO Jim Takelet, he joins us this hour. After one year at the helm, an exclusive look at the COVID impact and the growth outlook ahead. Well, 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 Mr. Kramer. Yeah. So the Fed kind of surprised us. You, earlier this morning, just a few moments ago, said you think that Fed Chairman Jay Powell is great, that he did a great job. Yeah. You said you were on an island. You felt like you were on an island by yourself. Now, I can tell you, you were not. Because well, there I spoke, a single person who, I, who, has, who has joined me in the idea that Powell knows what he's doing. Okay. I spoke with David Tepper Smart guy a few moments ago, right before we came on the air. He thinks the Fed did a good job yesterday. That's Jay, what he told me. David Tepper? He thinks he thinks he did a good job. Tepper. That they show they're not asleep at the wheel. And by the way, he also said, I think this is a direct quote. I think the stock market is still fine for now. Oh, okay. Can I just explain who Dave Tepper is? Dave Tepper, who taught me uh, how to trade junk bonds. Dave Tepper is the only one of the people who comes on air actually running money, billions of dollars, and admits if he's wrong, but has been so far more right than wrong, he even <clears throat> predicted the pandemic down to the day. This guy is game. How'd you get that? That's fantastic. He, he thinks what they did was smart, that it's well, still a go. highly accommodative okay. Fed. Then there you right? go. We're, still, we're talking 2020. So the banks didn't give you, because he usually actually has ideas, or the S&P. We didn't go there. Why not? Let's get him on the You phone. want to talk S&P? I mean, he said, I think the stock market is still fine. I mean, that sort of tells you what he thinks about the S&P, I suppose, well, at least for the time being. 2023 a- is when they're going to hike rates maybe twice. OK, what year is it now? It's 2021, right? 2021, yeah. All right. So 2023 is so, still a ways off. It's still an accommodative, a very accommodative well, there Fed. there it is. He's saying <clears throat> what people should be saying. Accommodative Fed, if things get really hot, we'll do something pragmatic guy. He's done a good job. One of the things that Dave Tepper has liked about the Fed chief is that he thinks he's smart and good and deserves the benefit of the doubt. And you know what? Tepper is no nonsense. He doesn't come on here with an ideological approach. He is not about preserving his wealth. He's about making money. And I like that. He's the most he is the most approachable billionaire in America today. He didn't think that they were going to taper. They no. didn't. He thinks they probably will later in the year. And you know what? He also thinks if they do that, that it's good because it means the economy is in a really good spot. 
that they'd actually be able to let's do buy that. Let's buy them. Let's buy Let's buy <clears throat> We should be buying. That's what's going to happen. That's going to turn the futures around. Well, well you, you said... You know that I asked him for a question once after he gave me the rap. I said, what do you think about playing Christian McCaffrey this weekend? He said, I don't even know what you're talking about. He owns the... By the way, he owns the Panthers. Right. But when it comes to money, there is no better. When I was sick and I had the back problem, called me, what's going on? Holy cow. The guy was so game. He's like, how's your back? Let me tell you how I feel about the market. Like, I wanted to kind of tell him. This guy is different from all the people who came on air in the last 24 hours who are talking about spots and dots, which is a course <laughs> I aced at Harvard. He, he really, it's an art class. I got you. He, he really just basically said one thing. When he says these things, ignore everyone else because they're just speaking ideological and go with temper. You said yesterday at the top of Mad Money, which I listened to, Powell was being prudent. That's right. the word you used. Yeah. You said investors should, quote, stay the course. Yes. Buy stocks that would do well in a low-rate environment. Yes. And the inflation hawks have no credibility. That's exactly That's what, what you're saying. How did you get Tepper? I tried to get Tepper. <laughs> that just worked out this time. I had Tepper. Sometimes must, you get him. I think it's because of the Sixers. Sometimes you don't. He knows I'm a loser. He's not going to call some guy <laughs> who's a loser. That is fantastic get. And what it does is put in, it puts everybody else on notice that the guy who's a trigger puller, who has billions of dollars, who would be quick to say, pal, is really doing a bad job, is giving us, him the green light and he's giving people at home the green light. And that is the best get that I've heard since 2.30 or whenever when they were heckling him. You know, Mr. Chairman, let me ask the same question for the 40th time, if you don't mind. Well, let's not also act, though, that the Fed didn't do anything yesterday, right? No, they, they did didn't. something that was they, a bit of a surprise to the market. Well, no, no, it shouldn't have been a surprise. I mean, we got, you know, I got the Albertson CEO on everything. You know, there's inflation. We got a lot of stimulus, maybe too much stimulus for some. But Powell acknowledged that. He's going to wait and see. What is Powell supposed to do? Come into, on, come into the uh, conference with, in an 18-wheeler and says if we could get more drivers, the price of the inflation would go lower? No, he's a practical man, and so is Tepper, and that tells me that people should be buying, not selling. Let's listen to the Albertsons uh, CEO with you on this very topic. We haven't seen the consumer yet affected by that level of inflation. I don't know where it's going to go over the next few months, uh, Jim. It could go a little bit higher, but again, we have a strong consumer. Now, when it comes to us, you know, to the extent... Uh, if we ever get to a place where we are not able to pass through that inflation, we have a fabulous productivity agenda uh, to support it, to support anything we need to do on the pricing. OK, I mean, you're going to hear more and more and more CEOs strong, tell you this. Strong consumer, not overspending, still buying the flowers, totally discretionary item, still buying prime rather than choice. Even I don't buy prime, but I, maybe I was thinking about it. Beef? Face, you mean, huh? Beef? Yeah. OK. What's the difference? I like the fatty stuff. Uh, and what, it, what, it, what he's saying is, listen, we're pretty good. There's some inflation. It's not runaway inflation. It's another Tepper comment. See, now, he runs huge numbers of supermarkets. He's not an ideologue billionaire who comes on and is afraid that his money may be worth less because of the Fed. He's a guy who runs a big chain. He says, we have some inflation, not runaway. How many times have you heard the word runaway inflation? You know what they should save runaway for? Secretariat. <laughs> Let, let me ask you this. What happens? Because the Fed is just guessing like everybody else. No, he says right? humility. He says, let's have some humility. Said, I'm doing I mean, my best. It, he said, let's have some. I'm humble. He said it could run hotter and be more persistent yeah. than, than, than we think. But what happens if inflation starts to run too hot? 
at the same time that the job market isn't fully healed. That's a bad case scenario for the market, right? Well, you don't want to have Powell's hands forced by inflation when he's so fixated and focused on the employment market. There was a poignant moment yesterday, too, when he was speaking and he was talking about unemployment and the seven and a half million people or eight million people who are still out of work. And he said, we're not going to forget about you. It speaks to everything that you've said about the way he thinks about jobs. African-Americans and Hispanics already discriminated against in this country are not doing as well as they did in 2019. He wants that to change. Now, I think that that's right. I think that that's a bold statement for a Fed. I said last night, he's not a tin man. He actually has a heart, but his critics do not have a brain. <laughs> yeah, Look, Tepper, because that's true. Tepper also thinks we're going to be in this range. Like, we're not going to break out of the range that we've been in on the 10-year for, for a I while. Think he's going to be right, right? I mean, why can't but that's we... the biggest fear. Okay, so if Tepper's been the most right person I have spoken to in my career, even when he embarrassed me and mocked me at Goldman in a moment that I'll tell you off camera, <laughs> uh, but he's been the most right I've seen in my career, and he comes out and says these things, I'm going to go with him rather than the ideologues who run no money or run billions and are afraid of hyperinflation. This guy's on the firing line. It's a great get that you got that. Yes, Powell could be wrong. He has said he could be wrong. That's okay too. He's human. But right now, he's been batting four for four every game. And I'm not just saying singles. It's not just singles. I mean, you see. You know who the other guys are? They're Ben Simmons from the foul line. Ouch. Yeah, right. He said Philadelphia 76er went four for 14. But he's very glamorous. The worst part about last night in the epic, epic, epic collapse the, yeah. was that Dr. J was sitting in the front row. To witness it all. <clears throat> Excuse me. The voice is just not cooperating this morning. I apologize. Um, Dr. Dr. J. J and Iverson. Yeah, AI. We're in the house. It wasn't practice, that. was it? Was that practice? Or was it a there game? Was a prob- Do we have that chart, guys? There was a probability at one point. The win probability for the Sixers with two minutes left in the third quarter when they were up like 26 was 99.7%. Okay, well, that's all the people, <clears throat> the ideologues, who think that... that uh, House AM- wrong. Is that AMC? That's the chart of them. Oh, that's. I thought that was the AMC chart. No, that's meme. Those guys were so good. You see the see all the. That executives? was a meme team last night. That was a meme team. Well, it's true. I mean, you see all the executives from Corsair <laughs> who dumped right into the memes. How about all the people who sold Wendy's into the memes? Right. I mean, come on, BG. They B and G. They just blasted the memes. The memes should stay in their lane, and their lane Look is. Look at these guys. Gay. Look at these guys. All right, like, they're unhappy. Uh, they should put the they should put those things over their eyes, not their mouths. Uh, GameStop is the one that they're right on, okay? Because Ryan Cohen has laid out absolutely nothing, which is very smart, and they're right on AMC because uh, um, it, actually, there's no reason why they're right. So let's just go right back. I, go to, I reiterate. I was distracting that, you with it, the water it, drink. I apologize. I remember when Stalin, not that Tepper should uh, really be confused with Stalin that much. The Pope would, uh, was saying, you know, <clears throat> didn't talk about communism. And, yeah. Uh, how it's going to fall. And Stalin asked, well, how many divisions does the Pope have? Okay. How many divisions do these ideologues have? How much money do they really run? Nothing. St- Tepper has divisions. Look, you, but, you, and, and, and Dave, I didn't mean to confuse Stalin, but you know what I mean. You said going into yesterday, if the Fed 
kind of did nothing, that you wanted to stay with the energies, the heavy machinery, well, did do nothing. the chemicals. Well, they, no, they did more than nothing. Oh, I mean, come, come on. on. So they got, look, listen, we're going to pull more than for, nothing. No, pull it for, no, look, if he, if he had absolutely nothing, he would have no credibility yeah, whatsoever. The, of course. And the market would go down. Of course. But what he's saying is, listen, you know, listen to that press conference. What he's really saying is we did not talk about raising rates. We talked about the economy. And that's what I mean. The economy then may lead to having rates move a little bit earlier. But I, and I don't want to bore people too much in this, but he basically said, I'm not oblivious. I'll do what I have to do. But right now, I still want to get to more employment. That's smart. Why? In what world is that wrong? That no, he shouldn't be focused on employment. It, it may be smart, but it could have different ramifications for the kinds of stocks you may want to buy. I'm like, today, do you want to buy the banks? You didn't want to the other day. I'm not saying you, but generally speaking, well, if I mean, rates are going to remain think, low. Be people think that he's a little more hawkish, and they got Secar coming up. There's a lot of good Secar. They should buy Wells Fargo. Absolutely. Okay, so you Wells do want to buy some of the banks now, right? right? Rates are up 10 basis points since. No, you well, they were up 10 basis Wells. points. They're a little down. But I just mostly think that you can kind of buy. This is the weakest part of the year. The next five days are not a time that you want to buy. Day six, I'm blessing it. That, those all could reverse. Is it a coincidence that the banks today are in the green? Well, because they've people, been in the red almost every no, day. People feel like the Fed now at least know the Fed could raise. So people want to buy the banks. Of course. But remember, what a- seasonally weak time. Okay. And uh, hey, look, you got your own thing, Tepper to Wapner. Um, what it, about tech? What about tech? Tech's fine. Tech's red today because. Oh, well, that's wrong. Rates up. But this is also not a good time. I'm going to reiterate, the great Larry Williams, the greatest technician of our lives, says 22 times out of 22 times, these next five days are weak. So why should I think that this is an outsider? 22 out of 22, starting tomorrow, 22 out of 22. So I'm going to say, nope, the 23rd time is going to be strong. I'm not going to buck that. But I do think that when we get in July, you're going to look at all these stocks and say, why didn't I buy? What happened? Does does any part of you, after what Powell said yesterday, think... Okay, maybe this is as good as it gets. You're going to have more inflation. It might be more persistent than the Fed thinks. They're going to raise rates probably twice at minimum in 2023. So maybe this is as good as it gets. What's not? Yeah, but as good as it gets, beginning in July, you can start buying again. I'm bullish, okay? I do think the next few days are bad. But I, I think that Powell acquitted himself very well, and the critics... Have no game, okay? They have just come on with the same rap. They are just oblivious to anything. They get away with it because they sound really smart. I've been around these guys all my life. They sound really smart. You know who doesn't sound really smart? You know who's the one guy who doesn't sound? He just calls it like it is, and he's been right. Tepper. Tepper is not. He's a student of making money. The other guys are just students and professors. He's not a professor. Do, do you have a different feeling on multinationals if the dollar gets into a trend where it starts to strengthen on on? I like your blood. You do like your blood. I like your blood. Well, there was that. You remember that? What was it? Last week? This week? I can't remember. The single billion dollar bet. Well, I told you, in like the, Santander. In the, in the Black I think Santander. Santander is a great four dollar spec. Okay, people should be buying Santander. Anna Boutine is such a good manager. She outsmarted all the other banks in Europe, which took a lot of risk and didn't care because they're all part of the same club. Anna Boutin does not belong to that club, which right. probably doesn't take women anyway. I got a lot of really interesting calls to talk to you about, too. Well, uh, we'll that, do we that had on to the go other to Tepper because that is big news. Because, uh, you know, Tepper won, Tepper won everybody else zero. 
We um, will take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about all Everyone of that. Everyone else is Ben Simmons. Temperature <laughs> Trey Young. Look. He was nasty last night. Mark Cuban says he took a, quote, hit from yeah, he crypto said he took, you see he that? He said he took a hit. I thought that was great. He admitted that he got it wrong. He's another guy with game. We'll do more after the break. Plus, it was a year ago that Jim Takelet became CEO of Lockheed Martin. Later this hour, he joins us exclusively to discuss his game plan for growth amid the recovery. More squawk on the street from the New York Stock Exchange after this. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, Mark Cuban claiming he took a, quote, hit from a cryptocurrency token crash. The iron titanium token, also known as Titan, plummeted from over $60 yesterday to a fraction above zero this morning. Last night, Cuban tweeting, quote, I got hit like everyone else. Crazy part is I got out, thought they were increasing their TVL enough, then bam. Um, same, t- same day that... Coinbase was reiterated sell at Ray J. I just thought I'd mention that just because we're yeah, talking no. cryptos. But um, look, I mean, even the best and the brightest aren't immune to some of these wild swings and the volatility in crypto. Look, Iron Finance is tight. Even the token off-brand book. ones, if you will. It was panic sale. Uh, I was, when I read it, I mean, I own, uh, I have, like Paul Tudor Jones suggests, 5% of my assets in Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I read this and I say, okay, that was the wrong one. That's what I said. I said, that's the wrong one. I mean, like I raised points about Tether the other day saying their balance sheet is bad. That's an interaction method for coins and that the New York State Attorney General won't let them be in New York. And no one cared at all. It was like that piece was like a tree. I did two pieces on it because I had Tim Massett, formerly of CF at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. He was very worried about Tether. And I think that people yawned and might have would rather play Tether ball than worry about Tether. The moral of this story, you know, may be, Jim, that. It doesn't necessarily matter who the big name is who happens to be a supporter of XYZ cryptocurrency. Yes, it's so volatile that a lot of these moves are driven by the Musks, the Dorseys, the perhaps the, the Cubans crowd. of the world, and they can still lose. You can still have extreme volatility. Just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean this is a good lesson for CNBC. Just because you're a billionaire doesn't mean you're always right. Billionaires get it wrong, too. Okay? 
and I, I do want want to point out that a, a lot that it's again ideological. Like people just think you can't lose money in it, and you say that if you sell, you're breaking the ranks. You're breaking the ranks of hold. This is not Braveheart. This is money. Do you have a Do you have a thought on the Coinbase reiteration at Ray J to a sell underperform? I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm with Lisa Ellis at, at uh, Moffat Nathan that it's the best so far, but I've been disappointed. I mean, it's, what really, is what was it like four no, four been, something four hundred something been, yeah, the was, IPO? I've been really disappointed with them. I mean, like wow, not good. Well, there's always Kathy Wood out there to buy some more. Like she, she did with put, Roblox. You know, she put Roblox. Roblox. You knew. Whenever she'll buy more, she'll be down again today, and she'll buy more Roblox. She is the greatest average downer in history. Literally, she. No one averages down like Kathy Wood. That's right. She does. All right, we we got to run. We got to run. All right, up next, it's a Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. And in the next hour, do not miss Carl's Evolve Global Summit interview with McDonald's CEO Chris Kempinski. More squawk on the street when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, it's time now for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. We're doing some food shopping. Do you remember uh, a guy named Rodney who always got no respect? Rodney Dangerfield? No, Rodney McMullen, the oh. CEO of Kroger. Uh, again, he delivers a very good quarter. I think he has a lot, you know, $1.19 versus $94, did a billion-dollar buyback, uh, 10 to 11% ID, which is the same store sales in any other language. Uh, the comparable store sales are down 4 People are looking for down 6.6. Raises guidance. Digital sales good. And it's not enough. No, no, they have to sell it. So I hope he comes on. Two, there's two Cincinnati people, right? Uh, Sarah Eisen. Today? Biden, yeah, oh, come on. Closing bell. Yeah. And look, the stock's been right. Now, people, they didn't respect him here, except for uh, Warren Buffett, okay? They didn't respect him here. But you know what? Look at the trajectory here. I say give the man some respect. And when he comes on, he's going to tell a great tale. So those who are dumping or shorting Kroger, be careful. Rodney McMullen has become a very, very good spokesperson for the entire industry, as has Albertsons. I was, gonna, I was thinking of Albertsons as you're talking about good. this. So he's yeah, you know, going to be asked good. about inflation and margins and all that That's kind right. of stuff. It's, this is actually the right moment for the supermarkets. They're getting the right amount of inflation and they make a lot of money. So the guys who are dumping Kroger now, they're going to regret it when they hear Rodney when he comes on. And you give that man respect. I'll tell okay? you. Give him respect. He's earned it. All right. All right. We'll see the interview later today. The opening bell is just minutes away. We believe that the market, the world, is in a very expansion view, uh, expansionary period. You know, I predict there's 10 good years in front of us because the world is becoming more digital. And everything digital needs semiconductors. And, you know, COVID created this terrible situation that, you know, demand spurted and supply chains were disrupted. So we have years just to catch up to what we see on the books today. And we're hearing our customers that backlog is you know, remaining extremely strong. So we have to go catch up to today, but the world is getting more digital in every aspect. 
Right, that was Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger talking chips and supply chains with Qualcomm CEO Cristiano Amon and our own John Fort yesterday at the Evolve Global Summit. And they're working through this issue. Chips have actually been doing kind of well lately. Right. Well, I, I would like to hear more about what Lisa Sue has to say, uh, which is uh, AMD, competitor of Intel. Top of the heap. Yeah, which is basically mind, right? saying... Uh, they, well, and NVIDIA. You, you, uh, they have less work to do than Intel in terms of meeting customer demand. And then NVIDIA is uh, extraordinary. You have to go back to the uh, general meeting that... Uh, that Jensen Wong had last week, if you really want to have the primer about what the world looks like. And, uh, if, you know, here's something. Ford reported, you know, Ford pre-announced it. Jim Ford. Yeah. And if they, had, if they had enough chips, they would have done a number that I think would have just shot the lights out. But the reason why you don't have the shortage is a manufacturing shortage. First of all, the Chinese are hoarding. But the real issue is that everybody wants to be in high-performance computing. And what you really need is feature-rich semiconductors. And they're not making that clear. All right, the opening bells, you hear them at the big board. Digital learning company Skillsoft celebrating its recent business combination up at the NASDAQ. Genetics company 23andMe is celebrating its listing via SPAC. CEO, co-founder Ann Wojcicki will join TechCheck this morning at 11 Eastern. We're looking brilliant woman, by the way. Brilliant person. Yep. And uh, quite enjoyable, really understands uh, exactly how I, the, the product is. I'm always amazed that the, I mean, maybe the, the company did have some problems before uh, with Jiki, but I think it's a, a company that really excites people. And I think that it's one of the few SPACs that I think has brand name recognition. So let's, let's watch the markets carefully here to see how they start really, you know, after the digestion period of, of post-Fed activity, what happens, right? We sold so off. Uh, yesterday. Seasonally weak period. Seasonally weak. You got the Tepper comments of him telling me he thinks the stock market's fine here. Right, so you Fed did a good job. Weakness, but remember, the seasonally weak period extends uh, until the middle to the end of next week. So, I mean, don't try to fight it. Feel it. We, uh, That's <laughs> don't try to fight it, feel it. I like He's that. very rarely We'll put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, J.P. Morgan's up. We said a lot of the banks were up. A bit of a reversal to how really the, the, the trend trade was Look, over I the last I love the Lenar days. quarter. Of course, they're speaking right now. I thought that uh, Stuart Mill has done a, uh, just a terrific job, executive chairman. Uh, I do think that there are some stocks that can go up. But if, this, if we were really in a moment where it's as bad and, it's, and the Fed is as silly as everybody has said who has come on air, then we should be down, I don't know, 2-3%. Really? I mean, if you listen to these people, they basically think that the, that Jay completely misjudged. Now, there's a lot of stimulus. I mean, that's one of the things Albert is talking about. That was not Jay's fault that there's so much stimulus. But Jay does want to get... You never hear people come on. Here's something, Scott. You never hear people come on and say, you know what? I share Jay Powell's worry about African-Americans and Hispanics not having enough jobs, that they're 10% unemployment and they were 5%. Why don't you hear that? I mean, that is part and parcel with what's wrong with our country. So why is that not brought up except for by Jay Powell? Jay Powell brought it up twice yesterday. And just people ignored entirely as if, well, yeah, what can we do? No, he actually cares. That's why it makes him a great Fed chairman. He cares about the disenfranchised. The other guys just care about the billionaires. Which is why he's going to keep the pedal as close to the floor as right. he possibly can without going too far over the speed well, limit. Isn't it right? lip surface to say, you know what, I'm really worried about Black Lives Matter versus what he's doing, which is to try to help black people get jobs? 
I mean, I don't understand why that isn't the mantra and the ethos of this country. This guy is doing what we all feel should happen, which is that we should have African-Americans and Hispanics do better in this country. But no, he gets criticized for doing that, for wanting that. Let's not be so two-faced. Let's be one-faced. We want that, and so does Jeff. It really stood out to me yesterday when he said, speaking broadly about the people who are out of work and the many millions of them who are, that we're not going to forget about you. And what did he say each time? Who is overrepresented in the out of work? And he doesn't like that because he has a heart and he's a thinking person. So I'm not going with these guys who say, well, he screwed up. I'm going with people saying he's trying to do what's right for the country. Jim, let's note um, that the S&P is uh, trying to turn positive, uh, fractionally so. The Dow is, is trying to turn positive, uh, fractionally so. Well, uh, so, if, but- if they were so if you were so bad, do you think they'd be trying to turn positive? No, because Jave Tepper's going to be right. It just can't be... It can't be an explosion, the upside, because there's too many uh, uh, questions. I mean, for instance, Ford should be up much more than it is. It's only up 23 cents. Uh, I just think you bide your time. Don't get aggressive here. But understand that we're not in a bad time. But we, uh, we're not in a bad time in terms of the Fed, but seasonally, yes. I, gotta go I like back, that. I go back to what you said last night. Stay the course. I mean, those yes, are the words, the you know, the direct words you but use. But 22 out of 22 times if the market's weak. During these days, I don't think you're going to get an exception here. So J.P. Morgan is Freeport. That's down from 45. Well, Freeport, the, the, the material, Freeport, Newcore, Mosaic. Those are the stocks that have really taken it on the chin lately out of Chinese, the material space. The Chinese has decided that copper's gotten too high. Uh, I think the steels were looking for an infrastructure bounce, but they seem to not be able to even get that through. And we should talk to Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin's in control of the country right now. You see this, um, like you see this call on Disney today? By J.P. Morgan, reiterated, outperformed stocks, you know, moving a little bit this morning. And it's given, you know, 175. Uh, not so bad for shares of DIS. Uh, over the last few months, it's, it hasn't done all that great, no. right? A lot was already in. Remember when it was sub 100, here it is 175. It's down 3% for the year. I, I was going to talk about it. I have a speech today at 1130 with, for members of the club of ActionListPlus.com. And oh, I was good. going to recommend that we sell it, but we just got our hands tied. That's okay. Yeah, we play by rules. And the reason I say that is because I, I think that I've been unimpressed. Uh, you know, I thought that the last call wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. I thought that when people started seeing the reservations and how jammed they were, that the stock would go up. But it hasn't reacted well. You I were going to recommend to sell the stock? I was going to say take profits in Disney. Really? Yeah, I, got a, a, I have a, I don't know, a hundred and some basis. Is it is it a Disney specific thing or is it a little feel I'm con- about I'm some travel about related Bob stuff and how he's running the company? Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, the, just Disney Plus. Just I mean, it got off to such a rocket start. I didn't think that. I thought that conference call was basically incoherent. It was an incoherent conference call? I'm shocked Sorry. to hear. I'm shocked to hear you say that. Well, it just. I don't know. I thought that it was. Uh, I refrain from calling it amateur. I mean, because the stock went from, well, he, he did guide the stock from 125 to 175. Well, I just think that if not there's, a, there's that, a man there. It's over 200 There's bucks. a man there, Bob Iger, bucks. who is a mentor. And I think you take advantage of him and you go in, you say, listen, I want to do this really right. And unless Bob Iger's like my friend Dave Cody, he's my friend, he's my neighbor. And Honeywell, who just says to Darius, it's your airplane. I would have gone over uh, and said to Bob, look, I, I want to be sure I'm getting this right. Uh, I want this call to be very right. I think that when you look at KJ, Kevin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Starbucks? Uh, yeah, I think that he wanted to get his conference calls right because Howard Schultz always had a good conference call. But I thought that this conference call was uh, 
I just, it was unimpressive. Oh, yeah. Now, it's not as bad as ATT. But doesn't he deserve Mr. Chapek to sort of get his legs under him and well, do his thing? Well, the way you do I mean, that is go into Bob Iger and say, hey, Bob, I want to say, is this good? Is this what I should well, What is he going to do, record Iger doing the call and then play it and just do like a ventriloquist thing? I like mentors and teachers. I do what they say. Dave Tepper, a mentor and teacher of mine, I'm not going to go and disagree with him. Uh, I think that you had an opportunity to go into Bob and say, uh, Bob Iger, and say, look, you know, here's my concerns. I'd like to phrase it that way. This stock is down 3% for the year, even though the world is opening. Does, what does that tell you? Shouldn't that stock be up nicely? Well, it was over 200 bucks. I mean, he, he listened, I, I would think, I don't think it's too strong to say that he had a constructive dialogue with Dan Loeb of Third Point, who was in the stock and said, look, we want you to dramatically up the spend for digital. We think it may be prudent to cut the dividend, get rid of the dividend. To do that, that. he cut the dividend. He yeah. increased the spend in digital. The stock went from 125 to 200. 203. It's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. No, but I do think that the way the story was communicated, it's now become Disney Plus is now ESPN, where I have to watch every single day. He didn't talk about the franchise. He didn't explain how great it was. He emphasized something. Again, Disney Plus is now ESPN, so it doesn't have any ads. Stock goes to 150. I mean, you shouldn't have put that narrative. It was not a good narrative. If I spoke with him and we were having lunch, I would explain to him how to tell how to do that conference call. Yeah. I'm on more conference calls than anyone in America. That was that's actually true, by the way. And uh, that I know, was not true. a good call. Net, quickly, before we go to break, Netflix overweight at KeyBank. Since we're talking about yeah, but Disney, then he said that, they that didn't stock's have $100 enough. off its high. They, they didn't have enough programming, but they're going to get a lot of programming. And Netflix will be fine. Uh, Reed's good. But I did not. I thought Bob Chapek made it so that now we got a whole new albatross. And this time it's Disney+. Plus. You know, and that sells the franchise short. You know, you know what's positive across the board right now? Stocks. Dow, S&P, NASDAQ Hold all it, turning didn't, positive. Didn't. Didn't uh, the Fed chief do a bad job and he's an idiot and doesn't know what he's doing? Uh, oh, yeah, maybe it wasn't uh, so We're, we're, we're going to talk to somebody coming up who we, he thinks he knows what he's doing. When we come back, an exclusive with the Lockheed Martin CEO, Hitter. Jim Takelet, one year after he took the top job at that company. But first, it's time for the Bond Report. Take a look at Treasuries on this morning. Yeah, they, they sort of ripped higher after the Fed decision yesterday. They've come off that level a little bit. There's the 10-year it's at 155 and a half as we speak. Two-year. All the yields are down. The five-year, though, is up. We're back after this. Welcome back. Morgan Brennan joins us now with a very special guest. Morgan? That's right. Thank you. Well, this month marks one year since our next guest took over as a CEO of the world's largest defense contractor, Lockheed Martin, with more on not only the year that was, but his vision for the future as geopolitics on display this week are shaping national security priorities. Joining us now, Jim Takelet, Lockheed Martin Chairman, President and CEO, who is joining us exclusively. Jim, great to have you on the show. Good morning, Morgan, Jim, Scott. Great to be with all of you. We have so much to get to, uh, including the fact that you, you are celebrating uh, one year at Lockheed. But first, I just want to start with the news of the week, uh, your reaction to what we saw on the world stage, whether it is that President Biden, President Putin summit yesterday, NATO earlier this week, a G7 meeting that signals that at least the beginning of a more hawkish stance, perhaps, 
towards China? How would you assess not, assess not only the threat landscape, but also the policy that's taking shape where national security is concerned under the Biden administration? Well, Morgan, it, it felt like great power competition was back on display uh, very vividly this week, uh, both through the G7 and the NATO summit. G7, a little more focused on the China threat, if you will, and the NATO summit, of course, uh, directed uh, more towards Russia. Uh, our allies are coming back together with us, which I think is fantastic. Uh, we've got an integrated defense strategy. The U.S. government's going to set our foreign and defense policy, and I think Lockheed Martin's now in a position where we can really support them better than ever. Yeah, I mean, international sales are, are a significant part of Lockheed Martin's revenue. Um, one part, if greater spending, we've seen greater spending by NATO allies, and that's certainly one piece of the puzzle there. I wonder if you think that continues. I do think it's going to continue both domestically and among our allies. Again, we're all realizing that this emerging threat is getting worse instead of in a better situation. And we're bringing our allies together with us in a way that's going to comprehensively address this threat. And our business at Lockheed Martin, in my view, is really deterrence. We might be the large, world's largest defense company, U.S. largest aerospace business. But our real mission is to drive deterrence to a higher level and prevent war and conflict and work with our government and our allies to do that. Yeah, I mean, you came into Lockheed in the midst of this pandemic. You really hit the ground running, not only in terms of the COVID response and what that's meant to not only the company, but the broader industry. We also rolled out this 21st century warfighter vision. Uh, it's this plan, strategic investments focused on next gen capabilities, technologies, including 5G. Uh, how quickly can you roll that out and what does that look like given given the priorities that we see materializing right now? Well, I'm really proud of the company. I want to touch on, Morgan, your first point. Through the whole COVID pandemic of about 115,000 people and teammates we have at Lockheed Martin, about half of them never left the workplace. Uh, they were going to our factories, to our customer uh, bases, and to our classified spaces all through the pandemic. So they kept delivering for customers and for NASA and our other uh, military and Department of Defense customers all the way through. Uh, the other half pivoted very quickly uh, with the help of our really terrific IT organization to be able to work from home. We never missed a beat. We delivered for investors and for the customers. So I want to really take a moment to recognize all of our employees for, for doing that through a really tough year. Um, but we're also, as you said, pivoting the whole company and we're reoriented now. It's, uh, it's been that first year. I feel really confident that all of Lockheed Martin is reoriented towards our 21st century vision. And Jim, you saw some of this back in my, uh, my last uh, uh, company where we were working with the telecom and technology uh, leaders in the United States and elsewhere to drive 5G digital infrastructure uh, at an accelerated pace. And we're going to use the same tools. I'm touching base already with the same partners, uh, many of whom you know very well and and some of them uh, will be on the show, I think, later today, where they are all in on this. They want to help us accelerate 21st century technologies like AI, edge computing, distributed cloud, et cetera, 5G, of course, uh, into the defense enterprise. And Lockheed Martin intends to be the leader uh, in helping our commercial tech and telecom industry uh, work with us to do that. So it's pretty exciting. Well, that makes me very feel very good, Jim, because you've been a remarkable CEO at American Tower. I've watched your work here. Uh, AMT, by the way, up huge under, uh, under your tutelage. But there's something that disturbs me, Jim. People don't know this about you. 
5,000 hours you flew uh, in the uh, C-14-1B Starlip, which is really amazing. It's fantastic work. You were in the Air Force, and you were amazing in the Air Force. But that plane was in the air for 40 years. And I've got to tell you, Jim, when I listen to what you're talking about 5G, you know that anything that's 40 years old is with Band-Aids on it. Unacceptable. How can we be sure that you're able to get that great technology into other planes that already seem late, the F-35? You can be the change agent, Jim. You can tell them, listen, we need NVIDIA in these planes. We need to have the finest things that AMD has. We need to be able to get with Qualcomm. Can you do it? Can you shake them up? Because we cannot have 40-year-old planes with great people like you flying them. Well, Jim, what we're going to have to do is, is both. We're going to have to introduce these technologies into our newer platforms. For example, the F-35 has what you need to have an edge compute node in a network system. It has the, the largest data storage of any jet aircraft. It has the highest computer processing power of any jet fighter aircraft. And we're uh, adding to its connectivity. It's got connectivity already between F-35s, which is a really high throughput data rate, but we're actually driving that across other platforms, as we call them. And I'll give you a great example of having to backward integrate the newest technology into those older uh, aircraft, Jim. Uh, we used a U-2, which is even older than a C-141. No, come uh, on, As far as its first launch. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. We turned a U-2 <laughs> into Gary an Powers? edge compute node, a cell tower in the sky. Yes, and, and we connected F-22s and F-35s in an actual exercise with our customers in the field and showed them how you can start to build this network-centric uh, connectivity across both new and legacy platforms. So F-22, F-35, latest fifth-generation aircraft through a U-2, believe it or not. So wow. we're going well, to be able to do this, to do it. both forward integrate, backward integrate. You are the person to do it because you've always had a great way of dealing with uh, people, even people that you didn't necessarily get along with that you en- ended up winning over. And one, la- one last question for me to go back to, to Morgan. Uh, China, uh, do we have the right kind of weapons if China continues to make noise, maybe even want to challenge us in Taiwan? Are we set up to be able to stop them and make them feel like this is a dangerous move that they might be trying to do? Yeah, you're hitting on a really important point, Jim. We have platforms, as we call them in our industry, ships, aircraft, submarines, satellites, etc. And pound for pound, unit for unit, our platforms, I would say, are more effective and more competitive than those of China today. But no one's standing still. So we're going to have a more competitive unit-to-unit comparison with planes from China versus planes from the U.S., for example, as we go forward. And they'll probably be building more of all of that than we will, given our budget constraints as a society. And so what we need to do now is bring the network effect of adding to those really powerful platforms an uncertainty layer where the connectivity, we have a 5G.mil architecture we're building to connect all those platforms in a way that makes our capabilities actually in a way unpredictable. They won't be able to model and war game against us as well as they can today, Jim. And that's one way to keep up and actually stay ahead of this this emerging threat, this this growing threat that you just pointed out. And, of course, a key piece of this discussion is space. We saw China launch astronauts to its new space station just last night. I was speaking to the former NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, and he said, yes, 
We're in a space race with China. The U.S. is ahead, but we need to make sure we stay that way. Obviously, you have military space, civil space, commercial space programs in, in your portfolio. How do you see it? Our space business is one of our greatest assets, Morgan at Lockheed Martin. It's going to actually be the, the overall tie together of the 5G dot mill architecture is going to be a lot of space-based connectivity. Uh, we have satellites in geosynchronous uh, mid-orbit and also low-Earth orbit. We're adding more on the low-Earth orbit, and we're partnering with commercial companies to accelerate our ability to launch more satellites more quickly into the low-Earth sphere, for example. So the space business for us is really important. But on a broader scale, and going back to Jim's point, uh, China looks at civil space competition as a part of its national security uh, effort to advance itself versus the West. Uh, there's geopolitical and scientific and ultimately military um, advantages for them to drive civil space exploration and demonstrate that they can move faster uh, and even you know, more aggressively, uh, let's say, than we can as a society, society in civil space. So there's a national security aspect of that competition, which Jim Bridenstine is, is correct, is very real. Um, but it goes even beyond just NASA versus civil Chinese space. It actually mm -hmm. encompasses a broader uh, effort on their part. Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned the commercial partnerships. You've also been acquisitive. Uh, certainly the industry and investors are really closely watching the regulatory review process for your $4 billion-plus acquisition of Aerojet Rocketdyne. Where are you in that process, and what will it take to get it over the finish line, especially since we have a new FTC chair as of this week? Right. Well, we're fairly far down the road, we feel, with staff and, and the new chair uh, will, will, I hope, be briefed on this uh, transaction fairly quickly um, on all the regulatory uh, requests and requirements and feedback we've provided. Our integration plan is, is progressing as it is allowed to progress in this kind of a situation. Uh, we'll be ready to integrate if we get approval uh, by the end of the year, we hope. Uh, but what's important about the Aerojet Rocketdyne acquisition more, uh, more broadly, again, is that it's an excellent company, but it's going to be even yeah. better with the amount of independent research and development uh, resources we can put into it from Lockheed Martin, integrate their engineering organization into and with ours, and even make them a better yeah. supplier for our competitors in the industry as we go. So this is a great asset. We can make it better as the owner, and that's what this is uh, really, really meant to do. There's two other little pieces that are very important, yeah. actually. One is we're going to reduce, and we've committed to reduce the cost to the government of the products that Aerojet Rocketdyne today provides through them, uh, through yeah. the government, um, on, on a very significant scale, frankly. And the last thing I'll say is one of the advanced technologies that kind of Jim was pointing to is called hypersonics. These are yeah. These are Jim, uh, I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to cut it off. I have to cut it off because, oh, unfortunately, we're ahead, hitting Morgan. the top of the show. Um, so uh, hypersonics, something I hope you'll come back and speak to us more about. Jim Takelet of Lockheed Martin, thank you so much for being with us one year into your tenure at Lockheed. Martin, what's on Mad tonight? Uh, ASIC, which is this great product. It's mock wood, but I use it all over the place. And then, yes, memesters, wherever you call yourself, Wall Street, stupid. Uh, we've got clean energy fuels, and that is one that they like that I like, and I feel really badly that I like it given the fact that they, have, they do no work and I do homework. Uh, I'm not trying to be antagonistic. I'm just trying to be vicious. You do do a lot of homework. I'll, see you, um, I'll see you back here tomorrow morning. I'm looking forward to that. And we'll see you later uh, on Mad. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 
If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 1-800-988-9988.